0: We're going to turn to God's words in our Bible reading. We're continuing our series through Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 4. That's on page 839. Or if you've got one of a large print, or would like a large print, they're just at the back there, page 998. Chapter 4, verses... Uh, 26 to 34. This is Jesus speaking and he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which... When sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. These are God's words. To us. Um, would you turn back to Mark chapter four? Now, the longer I've been a, a Christian, but the more and more I've realised church, church life isn't straightforward, is it? Um, it has some amazing moments and some tough moments. Just have a think for yourself now. Um, Can you think of any church that has never had any problems? Like frustrated members or or good people moving on or or times of persecution? Probably not. It's it's hard, isn't it? It can be deeply painful for people and it can look so discouraging, can't it? And add that to our size with small numbers, uh, churches dispersed across cities and, and villages, kind of like oases in a desert. It looks and feels kind of pitiful. Uh, Friends, perhaps of yours, keep rejecting Jesus. Family members are hard hearted. You know, God, is is this really your church? Is this it? What are you up to? You know, where's the razzmatazz, the bright lights? Where's the revival? And after Jesus' parable last week, you, you may have felt this all the more you remember so many who ended up rejecting him. It felt like the paths, the rocky ground, the the thorny soil. If that's the case, is is this kingdom that Jesus speaks about actually going anywhere? Is it doing anything? Is it growing at all? Well, listen to the last verse of the, the parable last week, verse 20. Jesus said this, but those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. There is growth. There is kingdom growth. But today in these parables, these two parables that we read earlier, Jesus is giving us an insight into this growth. He's giving us a different view of his kingdom and how it works. It's a different view. It's a different perspective. A little bit like when you, you've watched some kind of graphic on the news or you've watched some CGI in a film and then you, you see how they did it. You kind of see the green screen and the, the guy with wires strapped to him and you're like, oh, that's weird, but it kind of, kind of all makes sense. And, and Jesus, is, it's a bit like that. He's turning things around. He's, he's showing us things upside down. He's giving us a different view of his kingdom and how it grows. What we're going to see is amazing but also perhaps not what we'd expect. In these two parables, we've got the the seed growing, that's 26 uh, to 29, and we've got this mustard seed from 30 to 32. Um, we're going to see kingdom growth in, with its wonders and its, its surprises, both and. And as we do, may it answer that deep question, God: What are you up to in your church? Okay. So firstly, this first parable. Kind of got some S sounds. It's a certain harvest, but slow and somehow. Okay, let me explain. Firstly, a certain harvest. This, This parable is all about a seed. It's pretty ordinary. But the seed goes from seed to ripe, ready for harvest. Do you see that? Verse 26, he sows it. Verse 27, it sprouts. And then verse 29 when the, it says when the grain is ripe at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come it's amazing isn't it seed to harvest it happens it's certain this, this grain gets where it's meant to and that's what's going on with god's kingdom his kingdom will get from seed to full grown harvest it will happen what god wants to grow grows it's an unstoppable force You know, whatever gets thrown at it, come what may, seed to harvest, it's certain. I read recently a quote from the author Mark Twain that made me chuckle. It said this about education. Education is the path from cocky ignorance to miserable uncertainty. Okay, cocky ignorance to miserable uncertainty. That's no great path, is it? Uh, Ignorance to uncertainty, but not God's church. God's church is one from seed to ripe grain, from planting to harvesting, it's certain. It's another saying, what, uh, what Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's people, from the individual to the whole lot, will make it to harvest. There will be a bride at the marriage supper. Some films are a bit like this. They have that certainty to them, a bit predictable, but we we love it. Whatever happens, you know the hero is going to win. Over lockdown, I got quite into the Marvel uh, movies. And you know who's going to win each time. It's certain. Kingdom growth, it's certain. And just in this, God is giving us a different window into things. I think we generally only look at the things on the small scale. We see the twists and the turns, the local problems, the dwindling numbers, the scandal over there, the division over here. Now those things are important and serious, but God's got a bigger view. Yes, he cares about those, but he's not defeated by them. It's like he's saying, my kingdom through Christ will grow. It will be harvested just as sure as death turned to resurrection in Christ, so I will grow my church to harvest. I will surely do it, it's certain. And yet, and yet, it's slow. Verse 28, have a listen to verse 28. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. It's, it's slow. It's step by step. This is something we can find so frustrating. God doesn't take the church from seed to harvest in a day. It's it's gradual. It goes from this small seed to a small leaf, green, kind of pokey, just peering out of the brown dirt. Over days, weeks, that, that green leaf just gets a bit stronger, a bit bigger. There's still no ear. Roots are slowly growing beneath the surface. The weeks turn to months. The weather changes. The stem, it grows taller and taller and slowly an ear begins to form. It's green and then, and then it goes brown and, and kernels begin to reveal themselves. And then eventually, after this slow step-by-step growth, the wheat is ready to harvest. It's slow, patient work, isn't it? But just in this little parable, Jesus is show, uh, God is showing us something glorious. There is, there is something beautiful going on here. God is taking a seed, from seed to harvest. And what's he saying? The best harvest comes through this kind of growth. He's like a master painter, a master gardener. He's taking each precious life, each blade, and nurturing it step by step to his goal. Kenny's got the harvest in view, your harvest, my harvest, our harvest. And he uses each small moment in our lives to get there, each day of growth, each season, the wet, the sun, the the, the warmth, the cold. He's taking his kingdom from seed to harvest to the most glorious harvest. As the tagline says, good things come to those who wait. But we see slowness... And therefore, we think it means uncertainty. We look at a slow-growing church and think, ah, it's going to fall apart. But not God. Slowness and certainty are going hand in hand. Just think of Trinity. Ten years ago, you went through some hard times as you left the Church of Scotland. Pressures, difficulties, tears. But step by step over ten years, based on many years before that, God is maturing you, maturing us. There's a certain harvest to come, but it's slow. You know, our brothers and sisters right now in the church in Larbert have been going through a really tough season, but God is maturing his people step by step, blade to ear to full grain. It's certain, but it's slow. But it's not only slow, it's somehow. There's this extraordinary detail in the middle of our parable, verse 27. Do you notice that he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. He knows not how. Somehow this certain slow growth is going on. Just think about the farmer. He no way gets it all, does he? He doesn't know the seed's DNA. He doesn't know how each kernel is going to respond to the soil or, or the exact nutrient content that's needed. He doesn't know how cells are replicating. He can't see it all. It just feels kind of automatic. The the Greek word there for by itself is where we get the word automatic from. And and what's going on with this farmer is a bit like me with an automatic uh, car. You're driving along and somehow at just the right time, the car changes gear, doesn't it? It knows what gears are. It knows why they're needed. It knows which revs. It knows how hard I'm trying to accelerate. It puts all that together and then goes, now, I'm going to change gear. Okay. I know not how. Um, and, and the same with computers. I can use one, but I have no idea how they work. You know, Somehow I just click something and a load of things happen. It's automatic. It's by itself. We don't get what's going on, perhaps. We, we can't see it all. But the thing is, that's okay. Kingdom growth is not in our control. I can't understand everything and make A lead to B because I don't know all the mechanisms that God is using. Oh, we want it in our control, don't we? We want it all in our understanding. We want to put in the perfect plans and the, the strategies into place. I'm going to do this strategy and we're going to have exponential growth as a church. I heard recently about some guys uh, from, the, uh, from the States coming over to generously support Uh, church initiatives in this country. Isn't that amazing? What a blessing. Um, But someone remarked that some of these guys love the 10 or 20-year plan. I'm going to do this, then this is going to happen. We're going to have 20 more churches. We're going to have 40 more churches, A to B to C. And what we've done is turned the certainty of the final harvest into this kind of certainty of the process. But kingdom growth isn't like that because it grows by itself. We know not how. Of course we use wisdom and we learn from each other. But we can't micromanage God's. We can't say, if only we'd done it that way. As the Apostle Paul says, we water and God gives the growth. We, We don't have to get it. It's his church. It's somehow. It's certain, but it's slow and somehow. But let's, let's change that heading a little bit. Instead of but, let's make it and. It's certain and slow and somehow. They're together. We'll come back to that. Let's turn to the other parable, the mustard seed. Okay, I've got more S's for you to get confused on. It's supercharged but small and surprising. Okay, it's supercharged but small and surprising. Uh, So this second parable here, uh, the kingdom of God, verse 31, if you remember, is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Isn't that an incredible picture? The tiny, tiny seed of a mustard seed. It's a little black seed. If you you sat it in your palm, if you blinked, you might miss it. But it grows and grows into this massive plant. Kingdom growth, it's supercharged. It starts small. It starts insignificant. It starts unimpressive. Think of Jesus and his disciples. Thirteen of them. In a backwater of the Roman Empire. Fishermen, tax collectors. Zealots, traitors, tiny, a grain of mustard seed. Yet even now, think about it, stretched across the world, millions of believers everywhere, some in the strictest Muslim or communist states, others where the head of state is given a Bible, churches from John um, to Cape Town, millions of people from all nations, tribes and tongues, well, nearly all. It's like the birds in this image, they're finding rest and shade and safety in the branches of God's kingdom. This kingdom growth, it's supercharged. It's extraordinarily powerful to go from that small to that big. And just think of the heavenly new creation. That's where this is heading, as John put it in Revelation. A great multitude that no one could number. It's vast. It's like the grains of sand on the seashore. Like the billions of stars in the sky. That's what's being sown. This, this kingdom is not powered by a, a two-horsepower piddly scooter engine that goes, f- f- okay? It's instead, it's a supercharged V8 turbo racing engine that, that roars and takes your, your car from naught to 60 in a couple of seconds. This is massive power. God's kingdom is Supercharged. That's what God wants us to see. It turns into big branches with birds shading under it. It's so powerful, whole nations, and in the end the whole world is going to be transformed by it. But also right now, it's small. It's small. It's small as a grain of mustard seed. Often it doesn't look supercharged, does it? God uses small things, weak things, Jesus wandering around Galilee, preaching. An apostle Paul, not a great speaker, weak, despised, often in prison, somewhat timid. One guy. Think of a missionary called Adoniram Judson. He went out to Burma, that's uh, the country now called Myanmar, in 1813 at the age of 25. While he was out there, he lost children, he lost his wife. In 12 years, he saw 18 converts. Imagine it, 12 long years. What's ministry like? It's it's a person speaking ordinary words about a man who lived 2,000 years ago. It's small. It doesn't look powerful, does it? And we assume what looks small is not supercharged. We assume small means weak and failing. God says don't despise the day of small things and that's exactly what we do. Think of Adoniram Judson again. By the end of his ministry, God had got the Bible translated through him. And there are a hundred churches planted. There are now roughly three and a half million Christians in Myanmar. Imagine if he had stopped after a couple of years because it had looked small. He knew there was power, even in that small mustard seed. As one commentator put it, one conversion may be the beginning of a mighty church. It's so easy to be jealous and envious, isn't it, of successes elsewhere, to think bigger is better. But God uses small things to show where the power is. It's in him, it's supercharged, but it's small. But it's also surprising, surprising. There's a really strange ending to this story of the mustard seed. It's it's kind of in the fact that Jesus has chosen a mustard seed. Now, mustard seed was known, it was kind of a, a, a phrase at the time for something small. But a mustard plant, like, now it does grow large. But look at what it's as large as, verse 32, it becomes larger than all the garden plants. All the garden plants. Jesus chosen something that turns into a shrub. He could have chosen a seed that turns into a mighty cedar. A huge tree that towers over buildings. Because that's exactly how God's kingdom was described in Ezekiel. There, Ezekiel says this. Listen, he says, On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest. Do you hear the similarities? Jesus is clearly pulling on Ezekiel there. And yet, Jesus doesn't pick a cedar, he picks a mustard shrub to be bigger than all the garden plants. It's a shock. It's surprising. It doesn't fit the narrative. I wonder if Jesus is showing us my kingdom is not like the worldly kingdom. Now, not that cedars are wrong, obviously, because Ezekiel called it that, but, but since Jesus doesn't pick a cedar, he's making us think again. What is this kingdom actually going to look like? Is it going to be as I expect it to? Will it be glorious in the way I think it should be? Perhaps For those listening at the time, you know, will it be one of military prowess? Will it have pomp and worldly glory like a cedar? Well, no. If it's Messiah, the king, is actually going to head to the cross. It will come through a servant, giving his life for many. This isn't a kingdom that we can feel pride in ourselves. We can't glory in our successes. It's going to be weak in worldly terms. That's where the the prosperity gospel teachers have got this so wrong. Their view of the kingdom is one that, that that looks like the world. It's about power. It's about money. It's about private jets and big cars and TV shows and white suits and flashing lights. It's worldly glory. They've assumed a supercharged word must mean a ministry must look supercharged. But no, the kingdom is a mustard shrub. It's larger than all the garden plants, yes, but it's surprising. It's a place of sacrifice and service. It's a, a place of hospitality and small acts of kindness. It's a holy place, not a place of prestige. It's a, it's a temple, not a palace. Sown in death and tears, but reaps in joy. Kingdom growth, it's supercharged, but small and surprising. Again, let's change it rather than but. It's supercharged and small and surprising. Do you see, that's the different view Jesus is giving us here. We expect either or. We expect either supercharged or small. Similar with the first parable, either certain or slow. Because we can't imagine both. The, the kingdom being amazing... What, while looking rubbish? We, we we can't imagine it. If things are hard grind as a church and it feels like they're out of our control and it takes us down a strange path, we think, no, no God, God's not in this. There's no power, there's no certainty. In fact, it's hopeless. But Jesus is showing us that's not the case. Things can be both and. Certain and slow. And what that means is we we mustn't judge god's kingdom by what it looks like okay we mustn't judge god's kingdom by what it looks like that's why jesus is telling these parables yes it might look slow and weak but it is nothing of the sort and that's because god is at work he is the one growing his kingdom in both these parables do you notice god's work is actually hidden you can't see it Things grow, but we know not how the mustard seed it, it just becomes large, but it 's only God who can bring about this this certain kind of miraculous growth, this power so what we can 't see is what matters it 's the, the, the certainty the power and what we can see is kind of rubbish it 's the opposite of what we 'd expect it 's small and it 's slow, Jesus turning us inside out in a sense so we don't judge God's kingdom by what it looks like instead we need to look at things Jesus' way perhaps you're a student and you know the last week we had record numbers for us we had, we had over 30 which for us is massive now the temptation for, for us or you is to think God must be at work because lots of, lots of people are here that's to look in the wrong place no, we need to look at where the power lies. It's in God and His seed, the Word. That's where the power is. You know, anyone actually can get lots of students. He just provides some food each week. But uh, that doesn't mean it's supercharged ministry, does it? Is God's power at work? Is the Holy Spirit using God's Word to bring people to the final harvest, mature wheat in Christ? But also, if we don't judge God's uh, kingdom by the way it looks, that means we don't try and make it look more impressive. Notice what Jesus keeps doing after this parable. Verse 33, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He just kept on sowing the seed. He just kept preaching and teaching. He doesn't try and ham it up. He doesn't start pushing the PR. He doesn't start appealing to the donors to get the big, the big gig sorted. No, he does it God's way. He sows the seed. It looks weak and small and insignificant, but God's got it in hand. Last week, a few of you asked me with the, with the different soils if someone looks like a bad soil, the rocky soil, for example, does that mean they're stuck there? Well, with Jesus continuing to teach, and with that line, as they were able to hear it, Jesus answers that. He says, Not necessarily. It's not necessarily once a thorny soil, always a thorny soil. It might be, but that's the glory of what's going on here. God grows his church. Jesus keeps teaching. Even some of his family after this turned to him. We know James, his brother, uh, did. God is transforming and growing his church. And so we keep it sh- simple. Okay? We keep sharing God's word. We don't have to force it. We don't have to twist arms. We don't have to manipulate to make us look good, to kind of boost the numbers, to make us look popular. Small and slow fine you know we don't we don't need to make the mood just right to make people turn to jesus no we do what he's commanded us to do we read his words we pray we sing we preach we baptize we take the lord's supper that's it isn't it it's simple it's small but that's because this is god's kingdom the power lies with him the certainty lies with him and lastly if if we don't judge god's kingdom by what it looks like it means We don't need to make it look good when it's rotten inside. We don't need to hide our mistakes to protect the ministry. That's been one of the really distressing things about recent abuses in the church, hasn't it? That it's been hushed up by leaders because they don't want supposedly the gospel work to be harmed. That's crazy thinking. It's the abuse that harmed it, not the news of the abuse. God doesn't need protecting. Okay, he doesn't need deception or a cover-up to look after his kingdom because it's not the look that's the power. It's not the look that's going to bring certain results. No, it's him. It's him in his sovereign grace and kindness. He's the one bringing us to the final harvest. To being a great mustard plant with birds nesting underneath. It's the glorious final beauty of God's kingdom when the bridegroom returns. What a God's so to finish as you you look at the church perhaps you're tempted to be discouraged wondering what god's up to remember jesus view the kingdom is both and not either or he's building his kingdom he's growing his people slowly sacrificially step by step but it's glorious and we trust him amen